Welcome to Talking About Pigs with Smek, a podcast where individuals from the Swine Medicine Education Center discuss swine health topics and questions from producers over coffee. My name is Dr. Meredith Peterson. I'm a postdoc with the Swine Medicine Education Center and also a veterinarian. I'll be hosting the podcast today with Dr. Justin Brown. Good morning. Morning. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Good to be back. If this is your first time listening, a little overview on the podcast. We are a producer-focused podcast, and what's unique about this podcast is all of our content is generated from producer questions. So if you have a question you'd like us to feature on an episode, please send it to us at isusmec at iastate.edu. That's I-S-U-S-M-E-C at I-A-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Please put SMEC podcast question in the title of your email to make sure that we receive it, and we'll get it on the podcast as soon as possible. So what we do is we review current resources relating to the topic, including research papers, news articles, updates from meetings and conferences that we attend, and then we boil down the information and connect it to the producers to try to give you something useful at the barn level. Most of the resources we refer to will be in the podcast notes linked with the podcast. If you have trouble accessing or want more information on any of the resources, you can also send us an email at isusmec at iastate.edu. So the question for today is, is circovirus changing? Specifically, are there documented changes to the epidemiology and pathology of PCV2, especially in late finishing? Kind of to go through this, I'll give you a quick review on PCV2, and then we'll share updates and research updates on the topic and kind of where, where current research is at. So PCV2 causes a variety of diseases and symptoms, including respiratory, systemic, and reproductive disease. It's pretty much been controlled by commercial vaccines since they came out, um, since 2006. Previously, there were two variants of PCV2, and that was PCV2A and PCV2B. But in 2012, PCV2D emerged and has since become the predominant strain in U.S. pigs. The vaccines that we use today are targeted at PCV2A and B, and so that's pretty much what's used commercially across the industry. There are multiple clinical manifestations of disease. The first is PCV2SD, or systemic disease. This was previously known as post-weaning multisystemic wasting syndrome. So this is when pigs kind of waste away and their muscles atrophy. They become really skinny post-weaning. So that's the systemic manifestation. Then the second manifestation is PDNS or porcine dermatitis and nephropathy syndrome. And this is where we can see skin lesions, issues with the kidneys, etc. The third is reproductive disease. So PCV2RD. And this can cause re- reproductive failure, infertility, things like that on the, on the sow farm. And then the fourth is PCV2 can be part of respiratory disease complex. So should be in our mind when we see respiratory disease, that PCV2 can be a primary cause of that as well. So that's kind of a, a little background and review of PCV2, but we'll jump into to the current research now. Uh, first, I want to start out with um, just kind of summarizing a presentation that Dr. Pablo Pinheiro, who's a diagnostician here at Iowa State University's Veterinary Diagnostic Lab that he gave at our McKean Swine Disease Conference back in November of 2022. And what he did was compiled cases from here at the ISU VDL and looked at that data over the past five years to see were there any new paradigms with circovirus and looking at PCV2 since it came around in 2012. Some of the key points that he pointed out in his discussion were over the past five years, so PCV-ADSD, so associated disease, systemic disease, uh, has been rising 
most cases of those were associated with that new variant of PCV2D and small structural variations in the genetic analysis or the phylogenetic analysis might indicate the need for different vaccines or vaccine strategies. But still, this is seen at a very low prevalence within our cases that were analyzed. PCV2 is a significant pathogen in mixed infections, especially with PERS and influenza. So in those respiratory disease cases, and PCV2 was found in 30% of PERS cases and 18% of influenza cases that we looked at. PCV2 is also still confirmed in um, the dermatopathy and nephropathy syndrome and um, in our reproductive disease cases as well. But that prevalence has remained really low and is, hasn't seen an increase over the past five years. So some of the major takeaways from that, PCV2, like we've already talked about, is still the most prevalent strain. There's been this slow shift in the cat protein sequence and the genetic sequence that's occurring, but it's really unknown whether that's contributing to an increase in the systemic disease cases that we found or not. And so further research needs to be conducted to analyze that a little bit more. PCV2 still plays an essential role in our respiratory disease cases, and the shift doesn't seem to be impacting our uh, PDNS or our reproductive diseases associated with uh, porcine circovirus. We have seen an increase in testing requests, um, most likely driven by more active monitoring and surveillance of porcine circovirus by the industry. And so with this, as the producer, what can you do? Uh, you can work with your veterinarian to submit cases to the diagnostic labs, help um, participate in some of these monitoring programs, and that's going to help um, researchers and diagnosticians understand these viral changes. Uh, and potentially help adjust vaccine development as necessary uh, moving forward. Awesome. So I think the Dr. Pinero's work that you talked about was a great summary of the trends from the cases seen in Iowa State's diagnostic lab, which sees cases from all across the country. But let's kind of take a closer look at one production system's experience with PCV2 and kind of how that's changed over time. So Dr. Brent Sexton presented on PCV2 management challenges in a large U.S. production system at the 2022 AASV meeting. Some kind of key points. Uh, this was sort of a case study of what that system has seen and the changes they've made regarding control of PCV2. Between 2019 and 2021, the system saw an uptick in PCV-associated disease. They didn't see the traditional post-weaning wasting, but they did see increased mortality and poorer performance. And then through diagnostics found that that was PCV2 associated disease. So these cases were addressed with a rescue dose of PCV2 vaccine. So they would give a dose of PCV2 vaccine in the grow finish barn to kind of help these pigs get through the outbreak. But then they kind of made some protocol changes from this uptick in cases. So previously, they had been using a PCV2 vaccine on replacement gilts prior to entering the sow herd, and then they did not do any routine PCV2 vaccination to the sows once they were in the herd. So this kind of pushed a change to routine sow vaccination. So they would vaccinate the herd and then kind of do a routine vaccination for every parity, essentially, that the sow had. So previously, another change they made, they gave wean pigs a single PCV vaccine dose at weaning, but they switched this to the two doses. So one at weaning and then one a few weeks later. The results from these changes, so the results from a routine sow vaccine and then a double split dose in the wean pigs, there seem to be fewer PCV2 cases in the wean-to-market phase. They have had some positive results. I want to really note and stress that this is just one system's experience. 
Dr. Sexton mentioned in the report that standard health protocols, so using a, a health protocol across an entire system or different systems, is really hard to do and not really a one-size-fits-all approach. But kind of as a producer, if you're seeing clinical PCV2, this might be something you can consider in adjusting your vaccination protocols. So you can work with your veterinarian to determine the best approach. And you, with your veterinarian, may also be able to run a small trial of a new vaccine protocol to determine the ROI on that vaccine. So if you're adding another dose or if you're dosing sows routinely, you can kind of uh, do it in a group of them and, and follow those pigs through and understand how that's impacting your downstream flow. Like you said, with that one, just to elaborate a little bit further, Dr. Sexton said they weren't vaccinating their sows, right? And so one point that Dr. Pinheiro made in his lecture too was on um, lactogenic immunity of sows, right? And so um, what we mean by that is the antibodies that are passed from the sow onto her piglets and to protect them from different viruses and bacteria. It's not a area that's been thoroughly researched around porcine circovirus, so probably another area of opportunity for the industry there to look into lactogenic immunity a little bit more. So from these resources um, that we've talked about, we know that circovirus PCV2 is showing some minor changes uh, and pork producers are taking steps to adjust to those. But what's being done in the research and in the laboratory? So one study by Dr. Bandrick that was published, they looked at a bivalent PCV2 vaccine. So having two different strains in that vaccine to offer biologically superior protection compared to monovalent or one strain. Traditionally, our PCV2 vaccines have contained either a PCV2A or a PCV2B strain, so monovalent vaccines. And this study looked at combining those, so putting PCV2A and 2B into a bivalent vaccine to give that to pigs. And would it be just as protective or superior to a monovalent vaccine? To conduct this study, they looked at groups of pigs and they were given either a saline control uh, injection, so a mock sham injection, a PCV2A vaccine, PCV2B vaccine, or a combination of those together. And then they were exposed to PCV2A or PCV2B uh, via injection. Wanted to not only look at the antibody response off these vaccines, but also say, hey, when we give the pigs um, the actual virus, are they protected or do we see clinical disease? And then after they were infected, they sampled blood and feces for over three weeks. And then the animals were euthanized in necropsy to look at tissue lesions um, in those pigs. Numerically, Less circovirus was seen in the feces and blood of animals that were vaccinated with the bivalent vaccine compared to either monovalent vaccine. So that showed some promise there. It was a smaller study and more research is needed to support that and corroborate that evidence. But it does indicate that updating our monovalent vaccines, um, so those with either PCV2A or PCV2B, to include multiple genotypes, so 2A, 2B, or 2D even potentially, might be useful in controlling PCV2 disease. Vaccine companies are working to better understand PCV2 vaccine protocols. And so for you as a producer, just talk with your pharmaceutical reps, your vaccine reps, and your veterinarian to stay up to date on those um, new recommendations and new protocols to help best protect your herd. 
Yeah, I think that's important. And I think although sometimes it feels like we want vaccines for everything that are perfect now, I think it's reassuring to see research come out that's looking at new novel techniques of controlling these pathogens that are important. Yeah, absolutely. So I think another important um, vaccine research project to, to kind of touch on, um, there's a new BI vaccine that's focused on PCV2D. Um, so it compares it to a PCV2A vaccine. Um, some pigs were given the A vaccine, some pigs were given the D vaccine, and then all of the pigs were exposed to PCV2D and PERS virus. The results from that, the two different groups had similar protection, no significant differences in mortality. They did see an increase in the percentage of treatments needed for the pigs vaccinated with the PCV2A vaccine, as well as a decrease in viremia, so less PCV2 virus in the blood of the pigs that were vaccinated with the PCV2D vaccine. So that kind of makes sense. The PCV2D vaccine kind of had a little bit better control of of the viral replication for pigs exposed to that strain of PCV2. They also saw some decreased tissue lesions in the pigs with the PCV2D vaccine. So kind of a key takeaway here is um, we can be reassured that there is some cross-protection. So there was similar mortality shown for the different vaccines. So there is some cross-protection with our A and B vaccines to PCV2D, but it might be something to, to consider looking at a PCV2D vaccine, if that's what you're specifically targeting to control. So that's kind of a little other vaccine update and an important one to touch on as it's it's a relatively new vaccine. So kind of as a summary, there are some small documented changes to the viral makeup of PCV2. Currently, it's unknown how these changes are influencing clinical disease. So as a producer, in order to kind of help us understand and help researchers understand what's going on with these changes, um, you can participate in monitoring programs. And if you submit samples to Iowa State, University of Minnesota, SCSU, Kansas State, or Ohio VDLs, these cases are already being entered into a monitoring program. So they're entered into the swine disease reporting system, which basically gives monthly publicly available reports on several swine diseases, including PCV2. So if you're interested in looking at those reports, the link for that uh, program is in the show notes. But that's just something you can continue doing if you're submitting to those labs. You're, you're kind of helping uh, our epidemiologists track the diseases, PCV2 being one of them. Another thing, if you see changes in PCV2 disease in your farms, if you're starting to, to see more clinical disease or getting diagnostics that indicate PCV2 disease, investigate adjusting your control program. So work with your veterinarian or your pharmaceutical representatives together and, and kind of look at if there's anything you can change on your vaccines to help protect your pigs a little bit better. And then just try to stay updated with novel vaccines and novel technologies. So attending conferences or things like that can help you stay up to date with what kind of new technology is out there. That's kind of an overview of what we chatted through today. Many of the discussed resources and summaries can be found in the podcast notes linked to the podcast. If you have trouble accessing or if you'd have a question that you would like featured on a podcast, send it to us via email at isusmec at iastate.edu, and we'll try to get that on the podcast as soon as possible. Please share and watch for our next episode. We'll discuss other current swine health topics and answer more producer questions. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great day and week. A special thank you to Iowa Pork Producers Association for making this podcast possible through their sponsorship. Mm-hmm.